Thanks for listening to the Word Alive podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching. For more resources, please download our app by typing W-A-I-O in your Play Store. In the next few moments that we have together, I, just, uh, I want to share uh, our message for the year, 5778, and it's simply a message on boldness. So touch two or three people and say, get ready for some boldness. Tell them, just say, go ahead, get ready, get ready for some boldness. We, we gave, if you don't have a bracelet yet, you can get one at connection to the connection today. We're, we, we believe God is talking to us about living a life of boldness. Freedom and boldness. Definition of boldness is willing to take risk and act with courage. Confidence. It's the quality of having a strong, vivid, or clear appearance is one definition, or what I like to say, living in color, living out loud, if you will. It's that spirit that gets on people like Sean, who, you know, you meet him and it's just, he's, in, he's not black and white, he's in color. He's, he, in other words, his life is being expressed and it's attractive because there's not living, when you get around people who aren't living safe anymore, they're living loudly and they're living with color, it's exciting. I love the way my wife Bev is, she, she lives out loud. And she, when even some days, she, she, this is not telling her secrets, but if she's not feeling really great inside, she dresses louder on the outside. She does it intentionally as a prophetic act to say, I may not be feeling good on the inside, but I'm going to start demonstrating how I want to feel on the outside, right? Just do something to express that I'm going to live beyond my circumstances. I'm going to live boldly, with confidence, living in color. Safety first has been the motto of the human race, but never the motto of heaven. That's the motto of the human race, but never the motto of heaven. How about these quotes, Lord Halifax? If you never take risks, you will never accomplish great things. Everybody dies, but not everyone has lived. Everybody dies, but not everyone has lived. I don't want to be that person that gets to death's door and has not attempted to really live life. I want to be a person that when I get to that day, and by the way, death toll rate, last I checked, 100%. Right? So we're all going there. But let's don't get there having not lived life fully. This is a scripture. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Proverbs 28.1, and Elizabeth Kenny about that scripture said, it is better to be a lion for a day than a sheep all your life. If you dare for nothing, you'll hope for nothing. Conrad Hilton said, I encourage boldness because the danger of seniority and pension plans tempts a young man to settle in a rut named security rather than find his rainbow. One of my heroes, Tommy Barnett, who's built the Dream Center in Los Angeles, a great pastor in Phoenix, Arizona, said these words. If you found yourself throughout life never scared, never embarrassed, never disappointed, or never hurt, it means you've never taken chances. Yes, when you get out there and start living boldly, you're going to get embarrassed. I was thinking just this moment, uh, 
Uh, I don't know why I'm focused on Dr. Cavalier today, but he's a great dancer. Him and his wife basically taught us how to dance this year at our, at our uh, couples gathering. Uh, but they taught me into doing dances with the stars. And I've got the rhythm of a goat. And, uh, you, you know, and, but can you imagine? It was horrible. Y'all have seen me dance. Bev says I have a, a C, what does she call it? CRD, Caucasian Rhythmic Disorder. She, she called it like, like I have no, 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 no stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I have no rhythm. And, 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 but they taught me into it. And, you know, and it's humiliating. I mean, it was, I mean all, a lot of people showed up from the church and cheered me on, which was great and made me feel good. But, I, you know, I've watched it. I'm not an idiot, right? I mean, I, I saw what the deal was. Uh, and, 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 you know, and embarrassing, humiliating, but raised $80,000 for illiteracy. Come on, somebody. You, know, you, you tracking with me? I mean, so, so you're embarrassed. So, so it's uncomfortable. So why not risk? You know, when I die, I'm going to be happy I did that. I'm going to look back and say, oh, you could have just played it safe and not been embarrassed or been a part of something that somebody was trying to do to accomplish something great and said, yeah, I'm willing to get involved in that. Let's don't live life safe. Let's, let's dare to be bold. So what does that have to do with tabernacles? Tabernacles, I believe, is God's intentionality. He comes every year around this season to encourage us to live a life boldly. Why? Well, because the first thing that tabernacles teaches us is the simple truth that God is with us. When we get under these tabernacles, these tents together in our communities, we're, we're celebrating the fact that atonement has been made. We are at one with God and that God is for us, not against us. God is fighting for you, not fighting you. And that God is with us and that gives us confidence and courage, not in our own abilities, but that we know God is with us. Look at these scriptures that are so affirming to that, to that point. How about Acts 4.13? It's one of my favorites. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, somebody shout boldness. boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and unlearned men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Don't you love that scripture? That two, it, when it says when they saw the boldness of these two uneducated, unlearned men. Aren't you glad that being bold has nothing to do with your qualifications, nothing to do with your education, nothing to do with what family you were born in or what side of the tracks you may have been raised in. Being bold is because you have been with Jesus. And Jesus gives us confidence and boldness because of who he is in our life. How about this scripture? This is Hebrews 13, 5, 6. I love this one. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I really believe that some of us are going to get free from the fear of man. Getting free of what men think about us and what men say about us because we know the Lord is with us so we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'll never forget I was in Brazil one time preaching in, in a hotel room by myself and I was in one of those funks. Y'all ever get in a funk? And it's like, you know, most of the funks are caused by your own self. Right? You get funky. 
and you get in a funk. And what does that mean? That means, you know, you find yourself, you're probably not being real obedient to the Lord. Your prayer life's waning. You know, you're not doing any of the necessary things that you really know to do. Is it just me or some of y'all getting that? Y'all getting that crew? Thank God. And I'm sitting there in this kind of just a funk, you know, and all of a sudden the Lord just shows up and he says, hey, I told you I'd never leave you nor forsake you. He went on to say, did you think that only meant when you were getting it right? I never said I will never leave you or forsake you when you're getting it right. He said, I simply said I will never. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he went on to say, you especially need that to be true, not when you're getting it right, but when you're getting it wrong. That's when you really need to trust, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm here to let somebody know today, no matter where you've been, no matter where you are right now, the promise of the Lord is, I will never leave you nor forsake you so you can be bold. Somebody shout, boldness. This is my favorite, Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. Because of the grace of God, we should pray bold prayers. Let's don't pray safe prayers this year. Let's pray some bold prayers this year. What would you pray and how would you pray if you really believed it would come true? How many prayer, how big a prayer would you ask? How big a prayer would you pray? How much boldness would you use if you really believed that God would answer your prayers? Let's just don't limit God by our smallness because my, the Word of God says something like this. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. So no matter how big you could dream or how much you could think of what God could do in your life and through your life, it says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever conceive or think of. Touch two or three people and say, pray some bold prayers this year. Come on, tell them. Pray some bold prayers this year. So number one, Tabernacles teaches us to live boldly by simply reminding us God's with us. And that gives us confidence, and that gives us courage. But also, Tabernacles comes to remind us a very important thing, and that is when we get under these tents because they're temporary, God's wanting to remind us every year that everything in your life is temporary. So he'll want to, he, God get, wants us to get out under these temporary tents. You know, I'm out here sitting under my Walmart tent uh, you know, at Tabernacle Celebrate, and I'm looking back at my house, and the Lord's reminding me, Kent, that's temporary. All this stuff, cars, cash, house, whatever you've been afforded, job, it's all temporary. And the only thing that's really going to last forever is God. And it's interesting that he comes to remind you every year that, hey, make sure and live life differently because this life is only temporary. I mean, if you live to 70, which is promised in the Scripture, or 80, it says by reason or strength, or if you believe the Moses model, 120, if you're fortunate enough to get your picture on the smucker's jar at 100, in reality, it's still a very, very short time here. 
in compared to eternity. And so if that's true, it should give us a spirit inside of us that says, wait a minute, if I only have so many days to be here, maybe I should live life differently. Maybe I should be a bit bolder. You remember that movie that came, I don't remember the name, but they had their time on their arm. And you could look and see how much time you had left. I don't know if that would be a blessing or a curse, but you know, sometimes I wish that I had, you know, the scripture says, teach us to number our days that we might find wisdom. If you could literally see your time was running out, do you think some things might change? Do you think some things would be more important than, than what you thought they were? You know, do you think maybe each day would be an important day, not just another day? I read Ecclesiastes 11 this week in the message translation, and it just got a hold of me. Look what it says. Here's, here's, here's the man of ancient wisdom, Solomon, writing to us, and he says, here's the way to live. Be generous. Number one, be generous. Why? Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. Be a blessing to others. This could be your last night. When the clouds are full of water, it rains, and when the wind blows down a tree, it lies where it falls. Don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. Get on with your life. What's he saying? Don't let life distract you from the main purpose. Don't get caught up in what's going on around you and realize you're sent on earth for a purpose and you're supposed to enjoy every day you're alive on the earth. You're supposed to live with happiness and peace and joy because God sent you here to do that. Don't look at circumstances and let them dictate how you live. You get to choose how you live. Nobody can make you choose your, your, your attitude. Your circumstances may not can change, but you're the only person that gets to choose how you respond to that. You can get up every day with the right attitude if you just realize you just got limited time here. Excuse me, Kent, that is good preaching right there, buddy. All right, thank you. Hold on. Here's what it goes on to say. Just as you'll never understand the mystery of life forming in a pregnant woman, you'll never really understand the mystery at work in all that God does. Go to work in the morning and stick to it till evening without watching the clock. You never know from moment to moment how your work may prosper. They're just saying, go to work and work hard and don't work looking at the clock. Just work hard. You don't know what might happen. You don't know what promotion God may have for you. You don't know what blessing God may gonna bring you. You don't know what God's got in store for you. You just be, most breakthroughs I know in people's lives is because they just stayed faithful for a while and then all of a sudden God stepped in and blessed them for what the, come on somebody. Somebody shout, live boldly. How about this? Oh, how sweet the light of day. And how wonderful to live in the sunshine. Even if you live a long time, don't take a single day for granted. Take delight in each light-filled hour, remembering that there will be also many dark days. And that most of what comes your way is smoke. 
In other words, most of what comes your way to try to keep you from enjoying the moment is literally smoke. There's nothing to it at all. Most of our fears are unfounded. Most of all those obstacles that are coming our way are just distractions to keep us from enjoying the day and the moment that God has put us in. That's why Jesus commanded us, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Just live today. How about you young people? I got a word for y'all today. You who are young, make the most out of your youth. Relish your youthful vigor. I'm telling you, there's going to come a day like me, you'll be in bed at 8.30 at night. That's where I was last night. Come on now. (laughs) Follow the impulses of your heart. If something looks good to you, pursue it. But know also that not just anything goes, you have to answer to God for every last bit of it. But live foot loose and fancy free. You won't be young forever. Youth lasts about as long as smoke. Take advantage of it. Use your youthful vigor for the Lord. Don't waste a moment of our lives. If it's true that we only got a limited amount of time here, we ought to live life boldly, in color, out loud. Won't you touch three or four people again and say, I'm going to live boldly this year. Tell them, I'm going to live boldly this year. Don't play it safe. Let's quit playing life safe. Let's live boldly for the Lord in this season. Let's do some bold things. Pray some bold prayers. Take advantage of opportunity. Get up every day looking for what God may want to do in your life that day. I read an article, Living Life to the Fullest. Explains just what I read to you in the, from the wisdom of Solomon. It says, combining verses 3 through 6, Solomon's saying, clouds are going to bring rain, trees are going to fall, wind's going to blow. Don't let obstacles stop you from doing what you're supposed to do. The problem is Excuses. I can't plant a crop because the wind might blow the seed away. I can't harvest my crop because it might rain. This is Proverbs 22, 13. The sluggard says there's a lion outside or I'll be murdered in the streets, meaning a lazy person will use any excuse to get out of doing what they're supposed to do. Guess what? There's always going to be an excuse to wait till a better time. Pastor Billy Sunday, a great, hero of the faith, ex-pro baseball player turned preacher if you hadn't studied his life. He said excuses are like sausage. He defined them as the skin of reason stuffed with a lie. (laughs) The skin of reasoning stuffed with a lie. That's what an excuse is. A Georgia farmer was sitting out on the steps of his tumble-down house. A stranger stopped by for a drink from the farmer's well and asked, how's your cotton coming along? Farmer replied, ain't got none. Stranger asked, did you plant any? Nope, said the farmer, afraid of bow weevils. Stranger asked, where's your corn? Didn't plant any corn either. Why not? Afraid there weren't going to be enough rain. Stranger persisted, how's your potatoes? Didn't plant none. Scared of potato bugs. Stranger enough frustrated, he asked, what did you plant? Farmer said, nothing, I just played it safe. 
I know so many Christians, it says, who live life by that philosophy. Have you ever prayed fervently and consistently for something? Nope. Have you ever committed to studying the scriptures every day? Nope. Have you ever talked to anyone about their relationship with Christ? Nope. Have you ever lived by Christ's example to be a servant to all? Nope. What have you done for the kingdom? Nothing. Just playing it safe. Isn't that true? I was so encouraged this week. I, met, I talked to a man on the phone. He said, Ken, I'm going to tell you what I love about the church. He said, I love it that you challenged me. He said, before I came to Word Alive, I had never publicly prayed for anybody in my life. Out loud. I prayed for myself, prayed for my family. But before I started attending church, I'd never publicly prayed out loud for anybody else. He said, now at least every week, I'm praying for somebody that I don't know out loud in public for the Lord to bless them and do something in their life. Come on. Is that not right? Touch two or three more people. Say, I'm going to live boldly this year. Tell them, I'm going to live boldly this year. Last point. Last point. So tabernacles is to remind us God's with us so we can be, have confidence and live with boldness and courage. It's also to remind us that life's temporary, that all this stuff around us that one day is going to be gone away and just going to be us and God left in the mix of things. So all that stuff's going to be gone. It's all temporary. But lastly, it reminds us, you are the tabernacle of God. Corinthians says, know you not that you are the tabernacle or the house of God and that the Spirit of God lives inside of you? God did not give you a timid spirit. According to 1 Timothy, uh, or I think it's 2 Timothy 1 and 7, God did not give you a spirit to make you timid, but he gave you a spirit of power, come on somebody, to make you bold and courageous on the inside. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of us and has given us the spirit of boldness, of courage, of confidence. To live the life that God's called us. God never called you to be courageous and not give you the spirit of courage. God never called you to be bold and not give you the spirit of boldness. God never called you to live and be a powerful person and not have the spirit of power living on the inside of you. But I'm rereading some of the old history of uh, some of the saints of the past. And one I'm really inspired by is because I've had a couple prophecies about it. It's a guy named John G. Lake who Dale Cash was telling us Friday night, and I'd read it before, had such a spirit of boldness in him that people were dying in Africa when he was there on mission of the bubonic plague. And nobody would bury the dead. And he took him and church members and said, we'll bury them. And they said, you can't, you'll die. He said, no, for the spirit of life of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He said, if that touches me, it'll die because greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's in the world. And they took him to the laboratory, to the doctor's office and put the plague on his hand under the microscope. And when it touched his hand, it would die. And they buried all the dead, served the community, stopped the plague, and moved on with the kingdom of God. You see, we can sit in our society and we can look at all the craziness going on around the world and it's going to get worse. Or we can stand up and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to let fear and terrorism and intimidation keep me from living a bold life in God, standing up and being who I'm called to do, be in the kingdom of God.
That same John G. Lake had such a spirit of boldness. I just read it this morning. That's why I'm inspired about it. He literally was a businessman in 1946 in Illinois making $50,000 a year. That's a lot of money back then. Probably equivalent to half a million dollars a year now as an insurance agent and salesman. And the Lord spoke to him to leave that lucrative job and take seven kids. Can you imagine? Seven kids and his wife and move to Africa to be a missionary. I don't know about you, but I really want to know I heard from God on something like that, huh? But he did. Sold everything he had and gave, not to hoard it, sold all of his possession and gave it to other ministries. Because he said, I've got to know that if God really sent me, God can provide for me. And the only bit of money he left from all his possessions that he sold was enough money for their tickets on the boat to get there. And he had $1.50 in his pocket when they left. Now, of course, in that era, when you bought a boat ticket, that was your meals and everything all the way across. But he realized on the way across on the boat that when you got there, immigration demanded that you have $150 to enter the country with or you couldn't get in the country. So now he's halfway across the ocean. And realizes he hasn't got enough money to get in the country with seven kids and his wife. So they prayed. Touch you never say bold praying. They're standing in the immigration line not knowing what to do. When one of the other passengers taps him on the shoulder and says, Mr. Lake, can I speak to you? Called him over. He said, I don't know why, but I really feel led to do this. And gave him $200 cash. Paid the immigration and his family went through. Got on a train. Wait a minute. Got on a train. Traveled 1,000 miles to Johannesburg, from Cape Town to Johannesburg, a thousand miles on a train, seven kids and his wife, not knowing where they were going to live or where they were going to be housed. When he got off the train, there was a lady waiting on him there and said, are you a missionary from America? He said, yes, I am. She said, do you have several children? He said, yes, I do. She said, the Lord spoke to me that you were coming. I'm here and I'm going to give you a house and a place to live. And, and shook the nation of Africa with 100,000 documented healings and just massive revival and, 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 uh, and marked history because he lived boldly. You say, well, I can't, that's old 1940s, you know. I mean, that, that's somebody we don't even know. I've seen it with my own eyes. I picked up a man from South Africa coming to the States as a missionary in the late 1990s. Took him and his wife, and the guy named Rodney Howard Brown. I picked him up from the airport. He had his wife and kids with him and $300 to his name. He said, God sent me here to be a missionary to America. I picked this, I, this is not a story. I'm, I picked him up. I drove him to the hotel got to the hotel desk, and he stood there with $300 to his name and to check in the hotel with his family, and the, ho and the hotel said, oh, what credit card will you be using? He said, I don't have one. They said, you can't check in a hotel without one. He looked at me, I was like, I got one, but you don't want it. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. He said, wait a minute, what's your name? He said, Rodney Howard Brown. He said, hold on. Pulled out a brown envelope. He said, somebody mailed this 
for, be waiting on you. He opened it up. It was an American Express card that a friend of his said, the Lord spoke to me to have this card waiting on you. You would need it and use it, and I'll take care of the balance till you get on your feet here in America. Now, see, here, here's, here, if I can just get to this point, Every, I love, do you not love those stories? Yes. No, really. Yes. I'm, I mean, do you just not love them? But wouldn't you love to have your own? Yes. Wouldn't you love to have your own story? How God did something like that. We all want to have the story, but we don't want to take the risk. I'm just persuaded there's so many God stories that God wants to tell this year if we'll just get out there and risk. I believe God's going to speak to some people to pray for somebody that's sick. I believe God's going to speak to you to give something that you've never given before. I believe God's going to speak to you to do a house of light and start that. I believe some of you are supposed to take a step into the discipleship or move into your calling or to your purpose. I believe God's going to speak to us to do these kind of things. And if you'll just take the risk, you'll have your own story. It won't be about John G. Lake or Rodney Howard Brown or Dan Maddox. It'll be your story. How you stepped out in boldness. God met you and did something supernaturally. I don't know about you, but that's what I, when I get to death, that's why I want to have a story. I want to have a story that I can tell about how God did something in my life and used me to do something for somebody else. So I just want to encourage you this year, five, seven, seven, eight, this new Hebrew year, let's live in boldness. Let's be risky. Let's be reckless in our love for other people as reckless as God was in his love for us. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this message, you can give by visiting waio.org or by downloading the Wayo app and selecting Give. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thanks.